And this is Polly. Oh, I introduced myself incorrectly. Oh, oh. no, why? Uh, I mean, 503 episodes, and I finally slipped into the Polly. Ah, uh, that's wonderful. You know, it, it has taken me a long time to get you here, but finally, you broken mastered me. you. Ten years later, I'm a broken man. You know, it's gonna be like that episode of Oz where uh, where, where Beecher poops on Schillinger's chest. That's exactly what this moment is. That's an episode of Oz. Yeah, did you never watch Oz? No. Yeah, you're, you're not you're not talking me into it. <laughs> Yeah. Oof, yeah, yeah. Just, just like that. <laughs> I'm a hard pass on anything involving poop, just <laughs> FYI. Completely broken. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is Paul, and I wanted to let you guys know that I am very excited. Why are you so excited, Paul? Well, you know, this is fact a... you finally accepted the poly designation. No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> in my heart, I haven't. Uh-huh. But, and as uh, Matt Sturgis once asked... When does she get here? Yeah, when does she get here? <laughs> uh, so today, um, this is a very timely podcast. We're recording this on Thursday evening, um, June something or other, 12th, 13th, 13th, 13th. And uh, big announcements today. Uh, normally we record our podcast on Saturday, but just because we recorded on Thursday, lots of stuff is happening uh, today in, in comic book news and and movie news and, and all sorts of stuff. But in the comic book realm, two DC announcements today, uh, starting with the return of Legion of Superheroes. Um, Brian Michael Bendis uh, is doing a two-part uh, big event comic called Legion of Superheroes Millennium that'll feature an all-star cast of artists, including folks like Jim Lee, Jim Chung, Nicola Scott, Dustin Wen, um, Following that two-part series, it'll lead into a Legion of Superheroes ongoing series from by Michael Bendis and Ryan Sook. And, you know, and this continues the trend that Brian Michael Bendis writes the entire DC universe, right? Yeah. I mean, that's my that's my big concern with it. I'm excited uh, that we're you know when when Bendis came when he came over to DC, he completely screwed up the sandbox with my favorite character, Superman, you know, and, and I think we were all in agreement, you know, on this podcast anyway, that that was the case, but he's getting his fingers into the rest of, of, uh, you know, DC continuity and DC culture. And I'm excited about what he's doing. And I was excited to see that he's going to be, you know, pinning the Legion. You know, I think, I think that's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, I, I've never been a big Legion of Superheroes fan. Le- the Legion's always been too hard to follow, right? I mean, it's, there's just so many characters, and there's so many different, uh, you know, incarnations yeah. of so many different versions of the Legion. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy Legion of Three Worlds in the Final Crisis event so much is that Jeff Johns really parses them out for you. Right. Yeah. And it, it makes it very easy to follow where I, I sometimes feel like I have to keep flipping back to the beginning of the book to look at the dramatis persona because I can't track like who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. You know, I know lightning lad. I know Saturn girl. I know bouncing boy, uh, timber wolf and maybe a couple of others. And, and that's it. Uh, I like it when the le- when the Legion is 
five guys, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like the early days uh, of the Superboy comics, right? When, you know, you just had, you know, the core three or five characters that would interact with Superboy instead of, you know, the book being populated with 30 some different Legionnaires. Yeah. And it certainly seems like that's what we're getting. We're getting a more condensed Legion this time around. Um, Brian Michael Bendis has said on Twitter that this is, you know, because someone's like, it sounds like a reboot. Is it a reboot? He's like, well, in the sense that this is this incarnation of the DC Universe's first interaction with them, it's a reboot. He says, if that qualifies as a reboot, then yes, it's a reboot. So it sounds like we're getting, you know, kind of a, a rebooted Legion of Superheroes. And, you know, I, I don't know what that means, given what's going on in Doomsday Clock. Um, right. You know, it, but that kind of leads into this next announcement, which is that the Justice Society of America will be returning in the pages of Justice League, um, Scott Snyder's run, in August uh, as part of the Justice Doom War big event that he's got going on. And so we'll, we'll see those characters return. And a lot of these do seem tied into the Doomsday Clock. Um, you know, all that Doomsday Clock stuff basically, you know, was... Uh, the the existence of the Legion of Superheroes and the Justice Society were based were were undone by Doctor Manhattan, basically, you know, ruining uh, Alan Scott getting that Green Lantern and, right. and the and the butterfly effect that came as a result. So, um, I don't believe Doomsday Clock is intending to be done by August. Well, I, I think, think what I read is that it won't be, um, and and DC finally just said fuck it. <laughs> yeah, let's release these books. Yeah, I think they had to, right? I mean, I think the the yeah. delays on Doomsday Clock. I, I think we will have seen issue eleven, which you know, I, I I think at this point, the the twists and turns, we we know what's going to come. You know, I, I I think we know that at some at some point in issue eleven or twelve, we we will see the reestablishment of of these characters, and that'll lead into what we're seeing in these books. I'm I'm super excited about it. You know, it's funny. I, I I've talked previously on the podcast about my reread of Final Crisis, and in that it's had it has me reexamining other crises, right? And so I started kind of looking at you know uh, uh, Infinite Crisis and Crisis on the Infinite Earths, and you know, as I'm going through those, that got me back into Justice Society, and I've always loved Justice Society, mm-hmm. uh, particu- particularly the Jeff Johns run. Uh, Jeff Johns and David Goyer uh, both wrote an exemplary run of the, of those books, and so I've been going through those, and then like right, I mean, I, I literally had Justice Society on my iPad, flipping through it when you sent me the news about JSA. I mean, that's how timely that was for me. So hmm. it, it, it hit me smack right in the middle of the eyes. I'd like to clarify that that was during work hours. Just... Uh, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Aaron was hard at work. Hard at work. You know, I got a Liberty Bell. Certainly you're going to figure out your speed force, you know, algorithm. <laughs> So I'm excited about both of these announcements. Again, I've never yeah. been a huge fan of Legion of Superheroes, but I, you know, I, I will certainly give this a try. I have always wanted to be a fan of the Legion. Agree, but but much like the X Men, it always winds up being too much for me. Yeah, and, I'm and I think that's the struggle. You know, I'm hopeful on this back to basics um, approach. And uh, <laughs> regardless, I'm super excited about JSA. And what Scott Snyder has said is that this is just the start 
of his plans for the JSA. So I'm assuming what that means is this will roll into him writing JSA. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm I'm all for it. I, I hope Jeff Johns uh, hurries up. Well, it's not Jeff Johns. It's, you know, it's Gary Frank. That That's ultimately the delay on Doomsday Clock. And uh, I hope at some point we see that Three Jokers book. But I know that's also an artist delay that Jason Fabok is really wanting to get that right. But, right. you know, then ultimately we will have finally gotten answers to pretty much everything that was established in that original Rebirth book that Jeff Johns wrote years ago. You know, I would just love for one of these days an event book to come off as scheduled. Yeah, you know, that would be nice. Yeah, I I, I think the company that cracks that nut <laughs> wins comics. Yeah, I, That's what I think. <laughs> well, you know, let's go ahead and start with an event book. In fact, it has events in the title. Yeah, it's a, it's, a weird, it's a weird name to me. It is a super weird name, and I don't yeah. know why it's called this. Yeah. Uh, but Event Leviathan, number one, came out this week. And, you know, it, it, it appears that something's, like, redacted from from the title. So it's, like, the words that are left are Event Leviathan. A, but it is a, a very unusual title. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Um, it's not Leviathan Crisis. But, uh, you know, this is the first of a six-issue mystery thriller. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Alex Maleev. And this Reuniting is- the superstar yeah. team. Uh, Brian Michael Mendes and Alex Maleev. Absolutely. And, you know, it has been, you know, a lot of this is has already been established in Action Comics, in the ongoing Action Comics book. And that's still going on. But what Event Leviathan is, is what, uh, like, the world's greatest detective. So it's Batman, Green Arrow, who I, d- I didn't realize was a great detective. Nor and- did I. <laughs> I that, was, that was surprising to me. Yeah. I'm like, well, where's, where's Detective where's Chimp? Detective- exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it's only issue one. It's possible. Um, and the question teaming up. Uh, so this is kind of like the Batman Green Arrow question angle on the Leviathan story, while uh, Action Comics will feature Superman's involvement in the Leviathan storyline. So issue one came out this week. Um, you know, I, I'm, before we even get into the book proper, I will say you turn and they have a huge two page ad for Frank Miller and John Romita Jr.'s Superman Year One. Three sixty-four prestige uh, format issues in June or starting in June. There is no justice without truth. Um, you know, I I'm, I'm glad Frank Miller's not drawing it, uh, but I know you're not a huge fan of John Romita Jr. I will certainly give this book a shot. I don't know, Paul. I don't know. <laughs> you know the, the 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 cover looks the 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 two page spread there looks pretty hot. Well, I will but, say one uh, thing that I read that was interesting. I'm going to put this hmm. out here. Let's let's gauge your reaction. Okay. Is that uh, apparently as part of year one, it is established that Clark Kent was actually in the military as, as, uh, as a Marine. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that's part no. of this year one storyline. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you. Yeah, but you seem to be endorsing it. I don't know. I'm intrigued by the difference. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what that, you know, what that does. I'm, I'm curious about the storyline. I'll give the wonder, first issue a shot. I'm very curious if they put some rails around Frank Miller for this story. I hope so. You know, because he, he when when you just give him free reign, he does some crazy ass stuff. And so I'm real curious to know, did, was there editorial guidance to say, no, you can't do that with Superman? Because remember family friendly 
You know, I, I'm, I'm curious about You know, that. I don't know. He got away with a lot in DK3, and ultimately that wasn't him. That was Brian Azzarello, but, uh, you know, I never actually finished that storyline. So bad. Did you ever finish it? No. No, it was did, so bad. Did anybody? <laughs> did they finish it? <laughs> they did. I bought it on sale for 99 cents a book. If anyone listening to this podcast has finished DK3, please let us know if it's worth finishing, because I don't think any of us lasted past issue four. Yeah, no, it was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to talking about Event Leviathan. Event Leviathan. Um, first off, I got to say, I absolutely loved Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malib. I loved the artwork. I loved the way the story was told. Uh, it really brought a noir sensibility to, uh, to Daredevil. And I think that's very much what they do here. You know, there is yeah. this very gritty sort of, you know, mystery thriller thing going on. And even though Batman is there, it seems so very grounded in humanity. Right. Because, you know, when they re- when they talk about Superman, they don't say Superman. You know, they refer to him in very cryptic terms, uh, even though Lois has a Kryptonian technology technology gun. You know, it is all very it just seems so like, you know, human people are here. Right. Uh, and that, that, that continues on through the book because the other superhero that shows up is green arrow. And, you know, of course he's a, he's a normal guy with exceptional abilities as well. Even though I didn't realize that being one of the world's greatest detectives was one of them. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. There's a lot here there's a lot of, you know, Colonel Steve Trevor expositioning all over the book. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was done really well. This is 1000% um, a Brian Michael Bendis book. Oh, absolutely. It is so dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. It is. But I mean, I loved it, Paul. I love this book. I love this uh, this book from beginning to end. You know, I will say the the backs or the flashback didn't necessarily connect with me. You mm-hmm. know, the. But other than that, I did genuinely love the story. And the art um, is fantastic. God, it just screams off the page. I, 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 Alex Maleev is amazing. Oh, and it's so nice to see him drawing DC characters. Yeah. And, you know, so did you get in the last? Well, there's two things I want to talk about in the Alex Maleev art, which is the last full page spread of Leviathan. Mm hmm. So this has been identified. It, it, I, this isn't me coming out here with this. Other people have noticed that Leviathan, he has like he's wearing his cloak, and at the base, like the the hood of his cloak, I guess the chain that attaches it, mm-hmm. is a red arrow. Yeah, and people are saying, is it red arrow? Well, red arrow, you know, he died in the pages of Heroes in Crisis. You know, is that possibly undone? Is he not dead? Maybe. Um, you know, is this Roy? Because that would certainly explain his interaction with Superman and, you know, his his response to Sanctuary happening the way it did could have informed his behavior in this series. So that's one thing. And two, that last two page spread of Batman that says Event Leviathan. Yeah, that is hot. Yeah, it is. Hot. Yeah. I, yeah. I posted that on our Instagram. I I, I love that image. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, Alex Maleev just kills it, just kills it with this book. 
Uh, what a nice way to, to enter into DC Comics. Yeah. It, <laughs> fantastic. He, no, no worries. Yeah, he does a great job on the art. I, I enjoyed this story quite a bit. Uh, I'm looking forward to to the next issue. I think, and I'm all I'm all on board with this Leviathan yeah. storyline. You know, I mentioned it. We, we mentioned that Leviathan Rising was fantastic, and uh, yeah. I got to say, this book was great too. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I I just hope that it does that that it doesn't do the thing that other Bendis projects have done, where they're too uh, decompressed. Yeah, I hope I hope that he's learned his lesson because it's a great start. Now I want to I want to feel the same way at the end of it that I do at the at the beginning. That I was excited to read it. That it was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, I just I just don't want it to spool out of control like like you know a few of his other projects have. Yeah, for and sure. I'm not being sarcastic about that. I'm just talking about a few. Yeah, you know we. Um... We were nervous about Bendis coming to DC. We were nervous yeah. about Bendis coming to Superman. It sounds like his his run on Superman itself has been a little bit rocky. I have enjoyed his run on Action Comics. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. But the company that he left has brought in a whole bunch of new folks to to kind of take the 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 place of folks who have left them like Hickman and and uh, Matt Fraction and Brian Michael Bendis and some of those writers include Donnie Cates and um, the writer of Invaders who uh, is Chip Zdarsky you know he right. came from Image Comics and and books like Sex Criminals and things like that yeah I think he he very much uh, you know was a partner for Matt Fraction on on some writing over there um, but we have really really enjoyed. The Invader series, and we have um, issue six from Carlos uh, from Chip Zdarsky, art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geese Geis. Um, I'm going to start by saying I really thought this was only a six issue miniseries. Same here. And so I got you know when this book happened, I'm like, huh. I didn't expect this book to keep going. I really thought I was getting a conclusion here. Right. So yeah. my, my, I think my opinion of this book was actually a little um, informed by that. Yeah, no, I, I, I same thing here, Paul. I, I, I thought this was going to be the conclusion, right? And certainly it's the closing of the first arc of this story, but it is in no way a conclusion to this story. No. Uh, and, you know, as Paul and I said last time we talked about Invaders, this really should have been Marvel's event book this summer um, because it, it, it touches on so many other heroes, not just the Invaders. And I, I could have seen this being a much more uh, reasonable tie-in book than the war of the realms um yeah i i, I truly do believe that I, I think that that they they chose poorly on their summer event this year but uh you know i like this book a lot but when i got to the last page i'm like hey what the hell and then i saw the <laughs> next <laughs> yeah exactly i was like oh there's more uh yeah i really i have been reading this entire series thinking it was a six-part series so it got yeah. you know as the story unfolded i'm like huh okay doesn't really seem like we're wrapping up. Like, what are we setting up here? Are we setting up something that's going to continue in, in the pages of Captain America or the pages of something else? And then it said, next issue. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not Dead to say the, the book water. is bad. I was just very surprised. Yeah. Um, you know, just the book remember, can... Dead in the Water starts here. Starts here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I will say, you know, I enjoyed this book um, just as much as I've enjoyed the series. I, I just think that I, I was surprised 
Um, in fact, you know, I guess we could talk a little bit about what happens in this book because they've really kind of been building up that Namor is going to destroy this city. And uh, the true uh, scope of his plan is revealed in this issue. But, you know, without real explanation as to the why. Right. The you know, we have been fearing, you know, for the last issue or so that he was going to that Namor was going to uh, use some sort of biochemical bomb on on this town. And he does, but it's not, you know, a chemical weapon designed to kill people. No, no, it's designed to change people mm-hmm. and to make them water breathers, to to turn them genetically into uh, Atlanteans, you know, the blue skinned Atlanteans. And I just I, I I was so surprised by that in this book, Paul. Uh, I, I don't know if, if you were you were reading yeah, the handwriting on the wall. That. Yeah, uh, I, I was also surprised by, you know, what happens to uh, the Human Torch, you know, the original Human Torch. Yeah, I, you know, it's it, so much. A lot has happened in these six issues and, you know, yeah. secrets have been unveiled um, it, and it very much ends as, as on a cliffhanger. Um, but, yeah, to your point about the original Human Torch, you know, that and I... I we did talk about it in the last when we spoke of last week's issue, yeah. or last month's issue, that he's just ahead now. Yeah, but I think yeah, they're going to rebuild him. I think that's why Tony Stark is. Uh, yeah, it looks like that's why, why Tony's you know got him in uh, got him in the lab. But I mean, it was just it was like wow, you know, the, the the disembodied head out there talking to Cap as the fight's going on. Yeah, but you know, there's this beautiful scene we saw where the guy that we suspect is Namor's son, whose name is Roman. Uh, he betrays he, he is in the Navy and he betrays the Navy by uh, allowing all of this, uh, all this stuff to happen for weapons to be stolen, etc. And there's the, the scene where he's up in command. And they've shot all of the bridge commanders, right? The entire bridge crew is all dead with the exception of Roman and two uh, guards that are loyal to him. And, you know, of course, he finds out that they're actually Atlanteans who had agreed to be changed into the into humans. So they're genetically humans. And they acknowledge that, you know, when that happened, uh, the technology was so new that they would never be able to reverse it. And so while Roman changes to a water breather as the ship floods, those guys acknowledge that they're going to drown. They're going to drown in what in, in the waters that used to give them life are now, you know, essentially poisoned to them. Uh, I I thought that was a great scene. I thought so, too. And I got to say, someone's been watching Star Trek Discovery because (laughs) we see humans turn into Atlanteans and Atlanteans turn into humans, Um, which, you know, is something, to my my understanding, I've never seen before. So it it was. It was genuinely unexpected. You know, the the full scope of Namor's plan as far as why why did he do that hasn't really been revealed other than maybe he's just trying to repopulate Atlantis or something like that. It feels like there are different ways to have done it. Namor does say that the only way to stop the violence between humans and Atlanteans Mm -hmm. is to make everybody the same. And this is his answer to that. So he starts with 3,000 people in this one town. The idea is that he'll do more. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, I, I, I thought this was, I was like, wow, I really, I really appreciated the stakes in this book. And I still appreciate the flashbacks, Yeah, you know, where we get to see a kinder, gentler uh, submariner from back in the World War II era. Yeah, it, it's it, it's just such a well-written book. Um, and it, there's a lot of, you can tell it's a, it's a bit of a passion project, right? You know, this isn't writing by the numbers. This isn't, you know, f- to your point about this should be Marvel's event book. It's not checking a checklist. Right. You know, we are getting a story, um, in you know, that has emotion and stakes and well-established characters. And I, I, I'm genuinely enjoying it. And, uh, you know, I while I will say... I don't necessarily feel that it needs to be an ongoing series. I don't need 60 issues before I find out what the fuck Namor is doing. Um, you know, I, but you I, might I, need 12. Yeah, I feel like, you know, a, a 12 issue series would be good. I hope they have a, a solid end game in mind. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I agree. this is very much a singular story, right? There is there is a throughput that, that is that is here, and I don't know how long it can last. But right now I, I'm invested and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. On the flip side, I'm one and done on Silver Surfer Black. <laughs> um, from Donny Cates, Tradmore, and Dave Stewart, we've been very look, much looking forward to Silver Surfer Black. Um, you know, it's it's a new series that has come out from Marvel. I believe it's a five issue miniseries, uh, and you know, we we always I feel like we always try to give Silver Surfer a shot. Um, so he's Donny, a hard book to write. He is, and so Donny Cates is the writer of Guardians of the Galaxy. He's also the writer, um, I believe, of Venom. He's writing that new Absolute Carnage um, event book that's coming out uh, this summer or later this year. And so, you know, and, and I say that because this book very much ties into all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, what do you think of Silver Surfer Black? I think it's important to back up a little bit when we, when you talk about Silver Surfer and talk about, you know, the origins of the character. Um, you know, in order to understand who he is, he is very much tied in terms of his character, not just his powers. He's very much tied to his origin. And his origin is that he was originally Norrin Rod, uh, living happily, though a little bored and, you know, suffering some wanderlust, uh, you know, on the utopian planet of Zinlaw, uh, in love with his girl, Shalabal. But, you know, always just kind of like looking over the horizon. Maybe there's another adventure there, but there's no adventure on Zinlaw. Zinlaw's just perfect the way it is and there's there's no uh unknown frontier until galactus shows up and says hey i'm gonna eat your planet and you know there's no way to defeat galactus other than norin rod says to galactus hey if you don't eat my planet because i love the planet that shalabal lives on and i love shalabal uh if you don't eat my planet i'll be your butler right and so galactus says you know what I've got a vacancy. Sure, let's do that. And then you can go out and find my dinner. And so Norrin Rod becomes the silver surfer. He becomes imbued with the power cosmic, gets that surfboard, and he goes, you know, traveling the, the, the cosmic highways, finding planets for Galactus to devour. Now, he eventually finds his way to Earth, and the Fantastic Four uh, fight him, convince him, help him rediscover his, quote, humanity, up in air quotes, because, you know, he's a Zen Lavian, he's not really human. But, uh, you know, he finds his moral center, 
and you know decides to help the Fantastic Four fight Galactus. Galactus punishes him. He winds up banished to Earth for a good long while, but you know he becomes the Shining Knight. He is no longer the herald of the World Devourer. He is this Shining Knight, and he's got this. He is, you know, uh, has an unwavering moral center. Right. The issue with with the Silver Surfer is a couple of things. One is that you cannot accept him as a hero unless you can explain away how he led Galactus to murder planet after planet, civilization after civilization, committing genocide on a galactic scale. And the way they did that back in the day is and I want to say it was in the Ron Mars books. I could be wrong, but I, I want to th- I want to say it was in the Ron Mars books where uh, when it may have been John Byrne. Now that I think about it, not important. Um, when they create when Galactus created the Silver Surfer, he removed that part of of uh, the Silver Surfer that we might call a conscience, right? And he didn't get that conscience back until the Fantastic Four convinced him that this was not the right thing to do, that, yeah, eating all those other worlds was fine, but you really don't want to eat Earth. Um, and, and so what we are given in so many, so very many Silver Surfer stories is Silver Surfer thinking, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm a horrible person. I, I led Galactus to eat all these planets, and it's the big pity party, right? Um and that's what too much of this book was for me, beyond the fact that the artwork yeah. was crazy. Uh, and I appreciate that the artwork had a certain Steve Ditko feel to it. A little bit. But, you know, but I would th- say some – the first couple of pages I thought were gorgeous. Uh-huh. And then I turn a page and it's, it's the flashback sequence to Thanos' funeral. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's like a crotch shot. A silver yeah. surfer. Well, and his abdomen is exploding in some sort of floral arrangement. Yeah, because right? he has I like mean, thirty abs. Yeah, I mean it is the it is the craziest page. And while I can accept a little bit of that, the the uh, the abstractness of this book was really hard to abide. And then you, you couple that into how much of a pity party. Silver Surfer is having throughout this book. Uh, I was just like, you know, I'm done with this story. I'm done with, you know, Silver Surfer not being able to cope with his, you know, with his regret and woes. I, I like the Silver Surfer who is active, you know, who is, you know, I loved, I loved the Ron Mars, Ron Lim books. Yes, um, me too. And I, and I will say that's one thing, my favorite part of this book was um the variant cover the variant cover yeah. drawn by Ron Frickin Lim and it is and, everything I want it to be and it is ever bit that that cover is ever bit as gorgeous as his artwork ever was and I'm like why 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 isn't Ron Lim drawing drawing a, a comic right now why isn't he and, you know and I don't know if it's a health thing or what but I mean you see that and I'm like ah I just want to see a chromium silver surfer on that uh-huh. piece of art, right? Yeah. Like it just, it, it screams, it is just beautifully done. Um, and I don't know why Ron Lim doesn't do more I interior I know work. He does, he does a lot of variants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, I was looking him up today. Cause I'm like, well, what the hell is he doing? You know, he may just be, you know, a uh, commercial artist now. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah, because you know, that's where the real money is. It's not in comic books, but, uh, 
I, I, I wonder about that because his his pencils are ever bit as sharp now as they were then. I mean, that yeah. that that cover is stunning. Like if you had told me that he did this, you know, 20 something years ago and they just yeah, reprinted it, I'd believe it. Yeah. But it says 19 on it. So yeah, he, he drew that this year. Yeah. No, it's 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 fantastic. Mm hmm. It is. It's just fantastic. But it's the and, only fantastic thing about this book. Yeah, no, I, well, I, I do like a couple of the other variants. But, oh, well. uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the interior art is not my cup of tea. And the story certainly isn't. So I when mean, you got you to know, the end, were, were you like, who's Null? <laughs> well, I kind of felt like, you know, that I read that wrong and that it was actually Elric of Melnebony. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. But, you know, he I this book was terrible, Paul. Yeah, I was. hated everything. All, all this book made me do was wish that I was reading a better Silver Surfer book, you know, one by Ron Lim and Ron Mars. Yeah, uh, which I, I will I, tell you. And yes, of course, Stan Lee, um, you know, and Mobius, you know, that that's some people's pivotal, you know, yeah. Silver Surfer. Mine is 100 percent. Ron Lim and Ron Mars uh, or um, Jim Starlin yeah. and Ron Lim. But essentially that that arc of the Silver Surfer um, that that led into ultimately led into the Infinity Gauntlet. You know, that that's the arc that really, you know, cemented Thanos and his quest mm -hmm. for the Infinity Gauntlet and all that stuff. Um, that is my Silver Surfer. And I've not been able, you know, I'm looking at my comiXology stuff and this is just the books that I've actually picked up you know it's digitally right but i'm looking at um you know i'm looking at uh, a silver surfer number one the all new all all new beginning for silver surfer from 2011 i'm looking at the dan slot silver surfer from 2014 yes. and again dan slot silver surfer 2016 then the infinite comic silver surfer and then silver surfer black and silver surfer requiem and i'm like all of these suck yeah except I have the inf the epic collection, um, Ron oh, yeah. Mars, Ron Lim, uh, Tom Rainey was also mm -hmm. an artist on that arc, uh, Silver Surfer. That is, the, you will not find better Silver Surfer than that. And yes, is it a little dated? Does it read a little different? Is it more exposition heavy than today's comics? Sure. It's also better than any Silver Surfer that's been written since then. You know, it's funny. What, what's funny is I, I was reading up on my Silver Surfer history today and uh, Stan Lee was actually unhappy that when they uh, came out with the um, Silver Surfer written by Steve Englehart and drawn by John Bushima, uh, mm -hmm. um, he was like, oh, I really wanted to hold on to that. He wanted to be the only writer ever to have written Silver Surfer, even though it's a character – he did not create. Jack Kirby created Silver yeah. Surfer. Um, but he wanted to be the only writer ever to write it. And Marvel went ahead with the Steve Steve Englehart book. And Steve Englehart said, hey, I want to add in some of these other cosmic characters uh, into the, into this book. I'd like to add that Thanos guy and Adam Warlock and, you know, those guys that, that Jim Starlin was working on. And Marvel hard no. No, you can't have them. And Steve Englehart got pissed off and he said, oh, fuck you then. I'm off this book. So Jim Starlin comes over and brings over Thanos and Adam Warlock, <laughs> and the book becomes a bestseller. Yeah, that cracks me up. But you know, it, it had to happen that way because you know, no one writes Thanos like Jim Starlin. Uh, you know, for better or worse, except I will say the only person who, the only person who can recapture Thanos um, is Hickman. 
Jonathan. Yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. But Silver Surfer Black sucks. Don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, hard, Sorry, hard pass. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, who, yeah. who is a bad book? Yeah. I, 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 I really do appreciate. I appreciate both Donny Cates and uh, uh, Trad. Uh, yeah, but the neither one of them worked together on this book. You know, I just didn't. I didn't feel like either one of their styles meshed. And they made some artistic choices that I just can't support. Yeah. And it's so funny because there are so many characters on the pages of these books that I love. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. I, Paul, I had a hard time figuring out what the hell he was doing with Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a hard time figuring out what the hell was going on in general. The art is yeah. very, um, it, it's, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind. You. I know how Wayne feels about you know, uh, someone putting their, their artistic interpretation on the art, like, a like a, um, an Umberto Ramos, but, um, Tradmore, who was also the artist on that all new Ghost Rider right. book, uh, from 2014 that no one liked, um, you know, he just, oof, I just, the, the art is not, not my style. I will say just no, not my style. Same here. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week from Marvel Comics, uh, Savage Sword of Conan, number six. And I know we haven't been speaking about the Conan books lately. We've been, you know, we we had our Conan-centric podcast, and we've kind of been off the, I wouldn't say off the Conan kick. We've been purchasing the books, just haven't, I think we're both a little behind. Um, but Savage Sword of Conan, number six, comes out next week, which is the start of a new arc. Um, you know, it's it's a self-contained arc. A Savage Sword of Conan is kind of like their anthology book. You know, they have a new creative team every storyline. Uh, next week's book is written by Meredith Finch with art by Luke Ross. So pretty decent, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, creative team there. Um, if you if you still want to go with your space action, I'm going to throw throw a curveball here, Aaron, from Dynamite Comics or Dynamite Entertainment, written by Jeff Parker, Warlord of Mars. Ooh. Attacks. <laughs> so uh, we have a, a crossover with John Carter of Mars and Mars Attacks. By Jake Parker. By by Jeff Parker. Jeff yeah. Parker. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know it's it's just crazy enough to to be something worth picking up. <laughs> it, it's just crazy enough that this might work. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one a I shot. Like, I like Jeff Parker, so maybe uh, you give that a shot. Yeah. Uh, from DC Comics, uh, we have the build-up to that Justice Doom War that I mentioned earlier with Justice League number 26. This is, uh, a, you know, one of those one-shot tales from James Tynion IV, um, but certainly, you know, starts building up that storyline um, after the big events of issue 25. Uh, also from DC Comics, Superman Year One, number one from Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. comes out next week, Aaron. I'm going to have to pray about that one, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm picking I got, it up. I'm going gotta, for it. I got to talk to my, uh, my short term, uh, short, short duration, personal savior. Uh, that's <laughs> um, but one book that I'm also going to throw out there and, uh, not necessarily one that's going to be probably spoken about on the podcast, but, um, Robert Venditti and Brian Hitch relaunched Hawkman in 2018, um, right after dark Knight's metal. And I got to say it is a, fantastic book and the first arc issues one through six are collected next week um digitally it's 12 you've been reading it i I read the first arc i i I haven't been just because we don't talk about it i haven't been reading it i've been waiting for a sale um but that first arc is just it's really damn good you know and and hawkman is one of those characters that's hard to get right he is but they they do a really 
good job on that book. So, you know, if you're interested, um, if you've ever had like a, a you know, a, a low, low key passion for Hawkman, um, I certainly recommend checking it out. It's probably one of the best written Hawkman books you're, you're likely to get. Huh. And the Brian Hitch art, surprisingly good, because I know he's uneven. Huh. I, I'll check that out. Yeah. But you know what I'm checking out also, Paul? As part of my Final Crisis reread. Oh. I learned, I did not know this during the uh, Final Crisis books, but uh, it was a direct sequel to The Seven Soldiers of Victory by Grant Morrison. And uh, so I have picked up both volumes, uh, oh. which contains something like 30 books between the two volumes. And I'm, I, I started uh, volume one last night. Going down that... Uh, I am way down the Grant Morrison the rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. I, it's just me and Darkseid down there, Paul. That's all it is down there. Oof. Yeah, it's Dark rough. Darkseid is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't have the good dark side down there with me. It's Dan Turpin dark side. Oh, that was it's the not, worst. Oh. That's the worst dark side. <laughs> when dark side was reborn, it's the crime boss. No. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's Oof. the dark side down there with. Oh, that's the yeah. worst. <laughs> boss dark side. <laughs> well, you enjoy that, Aaron. I don't know that I, I, you're going down a path I cannot follow. <sighs> Help me, Paul. Help me. Hey, well, while all you guys... We're off being happy. I was reading Batman R.I.P. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Hi, <laughs> uh, y'all have a good week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.